Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. There we go. That's what we like to hear. Nice enthusiasm. And I'm about to bring the mood a little bit more somber. Today's message is all about spiritual battles. And to be perfectly honest, it wasn't until these past couple of weeks how much I realized I was battling my own. Um, so, because they come at us in so many different forms. They really do. Um, many of the times it's through fear. And I never realized how much fear I had. Writing this sermon was eye-opening for me. It really was. Um, because when I realized the battles I had, I felt all of that fear. I had a fear of using the word I. I really did. And that fear came through so many different things. It was a fear of connecting a sermon with examples from my own life because I never wanted what I had gone through to overshadow the word of the Lord. It was the fear of becoming prideful. So I did my best to write the words we and us, and I shaped my sentences around those words to fit those words. I even got scared when I heard you guys clapping in my sermon. I got so scared that when I went over to Friendship to fill the pulpit, I cut that entire part out of my sermon because I was so scared that I was performing. And then I didn't realize exactly what was going on. And then when I went to the church for the rest of us conference in West Palm Beach, I still had this fear and I didn't even realize it. And then I listened to Pastor Jimmy Scroggins preach. And I realized the message he had for us was so much more impactful because he had used personal examples. It helped those who heard it to find the examples in their own life where the Lord was trying to talk to them through that passage of Scripture. So when I came back, I thought and I prayed. And then I sat down to write this introduction because the Lord was trying to tell me something. He's trying to say, Jason, stop being so scared. Yes, of course, it's important to use we and us because the scripture is alive and it speaks to everybody. But Jason, you need to not be scared to say I. You need to not be scared to use the gifts that I have given to you. So here I am using these gifts now. And I'm listening to the Lord and I am going to fight this battle of fear right here with the Lord in front of everyone today. Now, let's shake things up a little bit. I asked a couple of people to, to come on stage. So can I get Jonah to come right over here? And then can I get Eric Breeze and Steve Orlando to come right over here for me? We're going to do a little visual today, a little bit different. Um, so he, here's the situation. Uh, Jonah got into a little bit of an argument uh, with Eric over here. And it's come to blows, okay? I'm sorry, it's just come to blows. Uh, so if I had to ask you guys to vote right here and now, who would win in a fight? Jonah. Or these two. Okay, who, who read my scripture before today? Who did it? Uh-huh, I see, I see. All right. Yeah. 
I apparently invited the wrong two people. Now, most of the time, let's face facts, a lot of the world would look at this fight and go, these two are going to win hands down because Jonah is so much smaller. They've got the two-man advantage. It's a whole lot to go up against. (laughs) Yes. So I'm going to have you guys go ahead, sit down. Thank you for coming up. Thank you guys for being so uh, (laughs) enthusiastic here. (laughs) I really do appreciate this. So let's look at a biblical example of all of this, shall we? So there's this big title match that's coming up, and we've got two legendary coaches here. We've got the devil on one side, and we've got the Lord on the other. Now, of course, it's me, so we've got to have a little fun with this, right? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for the world heavyweight title match scheduled for one round with no time limit. Our spectators today include the armies of Israel and Philistine. Now, introducing in the red corner our 32-year-old defending champion, standing at 9 feet 6 inches, weighing in at 425 pounds, hailing from the town of Gath and Philistine, and an unprecedented, undefeated record of 32-0 with 32 knockouts. His weapons of choice today consist of a 40-pound spear, a sword, a javelin, and wearing over 150 pounds of bronze armor, the champion of the Philistine army, Goliath of Gath. Now, his trainers today include his shield-bearer, who will be joining him in the fight, and his coach, the devil himself. And in the blue corner, our 13-year-old challenger, standing at 5 feet 1 inch, Weighing in at 113 pounds, hailing from the town of Bethlehem in Israel, and a record of only 2-0 with two knockouts. His weapons of choice today include a shepherd's crook and a sling with five small stones, and wearing only the tunic on his back. David, the shepherd boy of Bethlehem. His trainers today include Saul, whose armor he refused earlier today, and the Lord of hosts himself. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Now, this sounds like a pretty dangerous fight. (laughs) If you were to look at these two men, David and Goliath, from the eyes of the world, Goliath is pretty much going to win 100% of the time. He's older, he's stronger, he's more armored, and he has better weapons. Plus, he's got an ally. David is just going through puberty. In fact, his voice is probably cracking as he is facing off against Goliath and talking to him. And he has no military training at all. And yet this is how God works, isn't it? He takes something that shouldn't work and performs the greatest of miracles. Now the devil, he works in the exact opposite ways. He throws everything this world has to offer at you and more and puts what looks and feels like insurmountable mountains in front of you. And that he does in order to intimidate you, in order to sow the seeds of doubt and fear into your hearts. Now let's look at this Sunday school story just a little bit deeper today. Now if you want to follow along, you can go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 
And we've already seen a little bit more about this story than we probably did at first. The age difference, the weight of Goliath's armor, what weapons Goliath has, who's involved. And none of these are exaggerations. I was just as surprised as many of you probably are as well when I researched some of these facts. In fact, in theory, David could be as young as 8 or as old as 15 based on what we know about the culture at the time and the age differences between his eldest uh, brother and him. The only other thing you need to really know about the background of what we're going to read today is that the two armies have been on opposing hills, facing off for 40 days without anything going on except Goliath. Every single day for 40 days, he has came out and challenged the armies of Israel to give them one champion to face him in single combat for all the marbles. 40 days every day. Now David has just arrived on this battlefield, having been sent out by his, by his father Jesse to bring food to his three brothers who are actually in the army and to check in how they're doing. While there, David gets to see Goliath challenge Israel. And upon hearing it, David knows that something must be done. Someone must stand up to Goliath. So he speaks bold words. He says, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And this is where things start to get really interesting. See, the devil's more than just a liar. He is a cheat. The moment David starts to become convicted to do the Lord's work, he starts to throw obstacle after obstacle in David's way in order to try and trip him up, in order to stumble him, in order to get him to not even fight the fight in the first place. Because that is how the devil works. He picks his champion. He trains him up. And then when the Lord sends his champion... The devil starts to interfere and beat up on the Lord's chosen one before the battle even starts. Now, 1 Samuel 17, verses 28 through 30, show us that the devil will even use those who are closest to us as an obstacle. Now, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see this battle. And David said, What have I done? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. Now, Eliab's heart has been filled with anger and jealousy. Four different kinds, too. He's angry feeling that David is an insolent little brat to speak these words. He feels like he knows what David's intentions are, even though he really doesn't. And he thought David was trying to provoke someone else to fight because Eliab thought David didn't want to fight either. And the worst part is, he was angry because David was right, and Eliab was angry at himself. That's how the devil will start to work by stroking the fires of anger and jealousy in those around us. But you see, 
The Lord keeps us strong. In fact, the Lord is a much better trainer than the devil will ever be. The devil will do some work here and there to try and train up his champion, give him better weapons, better armor, but he never actually fully prepares his fighter. The Lord is so much better of a trainer, though, because when the devil starts to throw obstacles at the Lord's chosen one, the Lord takes that as a training opportunity in order to make his own fighter better. David's first obstacle, it's a real punch to the emotional gut, too. His eldest brother, one of the people who should be the most supportive of him, is being quite rude and condescending to David. And this happens a lot in our own lives. Sometimes when we're truly on the path that we're supposed to be, the devil throws those people who should be supportive at us as an obstacle. Sometimes that comes from a coworker or a mentor, breaking you down instead of building you up. Or maybe it comes from a spouse, a friend, or a family member who says a discouraging word at exactly the worst moment. Yet the Lord is not leaving your side in that moment, nor is it the Lord causing those people to do what they are doing. Instead, the Lord is right there at your side trying to build you up. Another rep. Another set. One more time. Keep pushing through. That is what the Lord is saying. Now David also has yet another obstacle here. One that's a little more hidden. His words, they're falling on deaf ears. The entire army of Israel is deaf to his words. All the soldiers around him, not a single one are listening. All David is trying to do is give them the reason why no one should be afraid of Goliath, just like he isn't afraid. Yet none of those soldiers truly listen to David. This world ignores us a lot. Our communities, our friend groups, our families, all of them can ignore us and turn a deaf ear to the reasoning for what the Lord has sent us out to do. Again, the devil tries to discourage David just like he tries to discourage us all the time. Yet David continues to listen to the Lord, the one person who truly matters when it comes to advice. Sometimes we have to not listen to the discouraging words of others or ignore their deaf ears. Because the devil can only work with what this world has to offer. But the Lord can work in our hearts and give us true conviction. The devil cannot touch our hearts to shake us or cause doubt if we have God in our hearts. Instead, he has to touch those around us. Now, the Lord will always keep us safe. Though, if we make, sh uh, if we make sure to continue to turn to him for our strength. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says this perfectly. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. David's next obstacle will come from a ruler, however. After dealing with his brother and the soldiers around him, David is brought directly to King Saul. Verses 32 and 33 state, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. 
your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. David is being extremely bold here, isn't he? He's now overtly stated for the first time that it is he who will go and fight, since none of those around him will do it. David is showing the courage that Israel should have had, and yet the man in charge, Saul, is not supportive. Instead, the the devil uses Saul as the next obstacle that David must overcome. You see, Saul was a tall man, presumably the tallest that the Israel army had. On top of that, as a king, Saul should have been the one leading his people. And being the one to stand against Goliath. Instead, Saul has been cowering for 40 days, and now this 13-year-old boy is standing in front of him going, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be the one to go out and fight. And the devil knows Saul does not have the Lord with him at this point. So the devil now strokes the feelings of inadequacy and shame in Saul so that Saul will make excuses for why David can't go out and fight Goliath. What the devil is unaware of, though, is just how prepared David has been for this moment. You see, God doesn't need to use this obstacle to strengthen David. Instead, he uses this obstacle to make sure that David knows just how much he has been trained. Now, I just recently watched the movie I Still Believe. It's a story of Melissa Camp, the first wife of Jeremy Camp, who many of you know as a great Christian singer and songwriter. In this true story, Melissa is diagnosed with stage three cancer and has a tumor the size of an orange removed from her stomach. It's not looking good. After all, stage three cancer means that it's spread to nearby organs. And in Melissa's case, this was her liver. Now, Jeremy and Melissa had only recently met and were dating for only a short amount of time. Yet God is calling Jeremy and Melissa to marry each other. Each of them receives their own separate conviction about it, and they agree to marry one another. Now, when Jeremy breaks the news to his parents, his parents react like any parent of this world would. You know, you should probably stop and think about this for just a minute here. You just met this woman. Maybe rushing into a marriage is not the best idea. Many of us would probably relate to the parents. Like, they're just watching out for their child. But they're standing in the way of what the Lord wants. And Jeremy has to stand in the face of this obstacle to uh, the calling that God has for him. And with all conviction in his heart, Jeremy says, no, I have to do this. I have to marry this woman. Jeremy is the perfect example of how we have to stay strong in the path that God has for us. If Jeremy had not done what God needed him to do, many of us would be missing out on an incredibly powerful story that has touched the lives of millions. And Melissa needed her story to be told because her faith was so huge, even in the face of a life that was cut short by a disease that wrecks the lives of many. Jeremy needed to be a part of that story because God knew that it was through the gift he gave Jeremy that the story would be told most effectively. 
So obviously, David has to do something similar to what Jeremy just did with his parents. So let's listen to how David responds to Saul in verses 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And and Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now David is able to use what the Lord gave him as training in order to convince Saul that everything would turn out fine. Surely if a boy of 13 can stand against a lion or a bear, something that is so strong and powerful that a man of war would struggle against, then surely he can stand up against Goliath. This is when we know to stand firm. The devil is going to come at all of us in many ways. And it's always hard when he sends those in authority to come at us. But we will stand tall and have faith in what the Lord prepared for us. Have you ever had that boss or a teacher, a friend, coworker, or a family member tell you something so discouraging that it makes you wonder if you're actually good or not? Did the Lord not prepare you for your job by giving you challenges during your school years or during your internships or apprenticeships? Wasn't the Lord there when you passed your tests? Wasn't the Lord there when you were practicing to make that perfect layup? Wasn't the Lord there when he chose you to be the mother of your children, whether you gave birth to those children or not? Wasn't Isn't he there every day you're raising your child so that you can be the best father to the child that either you adopted or helped provide the gift of life to? You are prepared because the Lord will prepare you through the experiences you have gone through in life. And I know that I'm prepared as well because God gave me certain gifts and he trained me well. He was there when I started to get involved in theater. He was there urging me to join the speech team, to join improv groups. And he was there when I fell in love with the technical side of theater and fell in love with writing stories. All of that prepared me for being up here in front of you guys today. And all of that I can do only because the Lord was at my side throughout all of that even in those times when, honestly, I never realized he was there in the first place. It was only now when I look back that I realize he had been there. He'd always been there. Whether it was realized to me or not, whether I loved him at that time or not, he was still there right with me. And God prepared David through experiences of life too. A shepherd is supposed to fight off lions and bears in order to protect the flock. This is going to come back later when we see David choose only five stones to fight Goliath. 
But think of what David probably did when he was bored. I mean, let's face facts, there's not exactly much interesting things to do when there's just a bunch of sheep eating around you and you're all alone on a mountainside with grass and hills and you're alone. What do you do? Do you talk to yourself? I mean, obviously you talk to God, but what can you do for fun? Well, you can probably put up some targets, take the sling that you've got with you, and do some target practice. That's what David's been doing this whole time. He's ready to fight Goliath with just a sling and a stone because he's been doing this time and time and time again. And that's how the Lord will prepare all of us. And Saul recognizes that. And he recognizes he's an obstacle to David. But he's an easily overcome obstacle because the devil knows when to run. So the devil ran from Saul and took all the fear he had put in Saul's heart with him. And now Saul was able to see David for what David was, a champion of God. Of course, Saul does want to help David, so Saul graciously gives David his armor. But that's not what God had intended. David can't wear Saul's armor. None of us can wear another person's armor. I can't. You can't. Pastor Ken can't. Eric, you can't. Not a single one of us can wear another person's armor. We can wear the armor of God with what God has given us. So David is going to take Saul's armor off and discard it in order to trust the Lord more. We're going to see this in verses 38 through 40. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Now we have David doing what truly matters most. David goes and does what the Lord asks of him. Not only that, but he is gently turning aside the gift that Saul presented to him. We all have to do this sometimes. Many of people in our lives will have the best intentions for us. They'll offer a piece of advice or a gift they think will make something easier. Many times it's only a trap. We cannot wear the armor of another person because it won't fit. Just like we can't always use the same approach as someone else, because our skills are different than them. I mean, look at the movie Mulan for an example here. She was told, if you want to have honor for your family, you need to do it through grace and poise and decorum, all things that Mulan did not have. She was given gifts. She was given makeup and clothing, and none of them fit her, because that's not who Mulan was. And yet, the moment that Mulan started to use the gifts that God had given her, she got more honor for herself and her family than she could have ever even dreamed of. But she had to turn aside the gifts of other people. Even in our own lives, many of us do not take the same final step that David did. 
going out and doing. For instance, how many people out there fill out applications, send out resumes, take calls of interest, but then never go for an interview? How many of us start out our years by going, you know what? This year, I am going to lose weight. So we research how to eat healthy. We buy the best foods that we know. And we learn all these recipes. And then how many times does that food go stale in the refrigerator? Go bad on the countertops? How many times have we had to throw away perfectly good food because we never took that final step and we never did it? It's the same thing here. God is showing us through David that we must do every single step of a task in order to be successful. And I'm not unlike anyone else either. Pastor Ken, I love you. You gave me some great advice, wonderful advice for how to prepare for a sermon. And then I realized that was your armor. And I had to discard that. Today, I finally realized how I needed to prepare for a sermon, how I needed to get in touch with God and the Holy Spirit and let that flow through me. And it was not in the same way that Pastor Ken does. It's not in the same way that Cleone will, or Kathy, or Jeremy, or anybody here. My way is my way. My armor that God gave me is my armor. Just like it's yours. We must stand firm against the tides of discouragement and fear. We must not falter when our loved ones and friends speak against us. We must stand tall in our prior accomplishments and reflect on how they have prepared us. We must rebuke those that would give us advice that would be harmful no matter how well-intentioned it might be. Finally, and most importantly, we must walk out to actually do battle. If we do not take that final step and start walking towards the obstacle that stands before us, then that obstacle will perpetually stand in our way. So now our title match finally approaches. The devil has tried to cheat time and time again by getting in David's way. And God has used those obstacles as training opportunities to strengthen David's conviction. And David realizes throughout all of this where his strength comes from. And now let's look at that conviction in verses 43 through 47. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the army of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand." I have to point out just how insulted Goliath must feel here. We, we're thinking dog as in, you know, the animal, right? The Hebrew for dog in this case is a homosexual 
male prostitute. That is how much of an insult that Goliath feels right now. Saul has sent out a 13-year-old boy just wearing a tunic and some sandals. So Goliath is furious at that insult. But what's more important than anything is David's reply. Listen to just how much faith he put into God. David realized he is a representative of God. Goliath's true opponent is God, not him. Even more unique is the line in verse 45, the God of the armies of Israel. That implies that there's more than one army, right? Everyone can see the first, the army of Israel, standing right in front of him on the hilltop. But David knows that there's a spiritual army right there with him. The only time we actually get to see this army is in 2 Kings 6.17, as Elisha is surrounded by foreign armies. So he turns to the servant that's terrified and shows him the army of God. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now we're starting to see that this is not about to be some Cinderella underdog story. This is going to be a massacre. David knows the strength of the army behind him, that the strength of the Lord is with him. So just keep listening to that response. David isn't just saying he's going to kill Goliath. He is claiming full victory over the army of Philistine because that is how powerful the strength of the Lord is. He isn't doing this for himself. David's doing this for God. David is doing this so that Israel can know and continue to trust in God. So that the Philistines will realize that the God of Israel has power over their gods. And so that all of us today can remember a very important lesson. I'm going to point out this line again in verse 47. And all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. Who is the assembly? Obviously, there's the two armies. But aren't we reading the story as well? Are we not an assembly? The Lord saves through faith. It's something that we must always remember. It's not up to us to save ourselves. It's up to us to have faith in God and faith that he has already saved us. This is how powerful the Holy Spirit is, that it can inspire David to phrase this line to reach out throughout the ages, to speak to those reading it even today. Now, of course, the rest of this story should be pretty familiar. Many of us already know exactly how this is going to play out since you all voted for Jonah in the beginning of this sermon. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to, do, to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. Ding, 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 ding. That's it. In the fifth second of the first round, in a one-punch KO, David has won the battle. But look at what David did. David ran towards Goliath. He wasn't just sitting around waiting for Goliath to come to him. David went out and did it. 
sometimes we sit and we wonder, am I supposed to do this or is the Lord going to do it for me? The answer is simple. Yes! We have to have faith that he will lead us to where we need to be and what we need to do. But then we still need to go and do. We have to boldly run right at our enemies and face them with the Lord at our side. Now, David won his spiritual battle, so we know what happens when we win one. But what happens when we lose? Do you think it's that bad? I want to share with you a time that I lost a spiritual battle because I did not have the Lord at my side. In college, I dated this woman. She was everything I thought I wanted. She was attractive. She was funny. She was charming. She was everything that would destroy me. I chased her. And from the moment we started dating, she said to me, don't call me by my name. Call me by this other name because I'm a demon and that's what I prefer to go by. I was so far away from God, the devil didn't even need to be subtle with me. He didn't need to try and, you know, claim that she was good. She came right out and said it. I'm a demon. And I still chased that carrot on a stick like I was a lost little puppy. I chased so hard that, honestly, I lost sight of who I was. I no longer felt joy. I was in that much of a depression. I started to question my own gender. I started to question my own personality. I started to question everything about myself that made me me. That happened all the way back in 2008. It wasn't until the year 2019 that I honestly had felt like I was starting to heal enough to allow myself to feel joy. It took 11 years. And finally in 2020, I was healed enough to allow myself to look back at God and allow God to see how broken I had become and to allow God to finally heal me. Because I had been ashamed, but now I no longer was. And I give you those dates to show how losing a spiritual battle can have repercussions that last a very long time. I am 34 years old. 11 years is about a third of my life. And it's even more when you consider, I don't even remember a single thing before I was five years old. That's another five years of my life just gone. Eleven years is huge for me. So do not let yourself fall to the devil and his machinations. If you struggle with something, trust in the Lord. Pray to him and ask for guidance. And then face that struggle with God at your side. God can make anything possible. From Sodom and Gomorrah to the walls of Jericho to Jonah and the fish all the way to Jesus 
we see the miracles of God. When we look at what David did, we see a battle won with a hero no one expected, using a weapon that was equally unexpected. We expect our heroes to be strong in body, mature in age, and wise. And yet David only fit one of those things. He was wise, noble in heart. Fast forward to Jesus and the ultimate victory. Jesus was noble in heart. He was fairly mature in age. But by no accounts do we ever see him being described as strong. Most depictions of Jesus is that of a very soft, caring, and gentle man rather than a muscular, chiseled body. And his weapon? That was the most unexpected thing in the entire world. The weapon that Jesus chose killed him. He died upon his own weapon. And you know what? That weapon was so powerful, nothing could stand against it. Jesus stood strong and went willingly into the battle on his cross. The devil, much like Goliath, laughed in the face of Christ and declared victory before the battle had even begun. And just like that smooth stone, Jesus was able to defeat the devil when he walked out of that tomb three days later and threw the devil into the valley of defeat forever. Now today, you might be going through your own title match, facing down your own giant. If you are, you have a choice to make. You can continue on in your life, listening to what the world tells you, that you are just a pebble. And if you do, your battles are lost. Or you can turn to the world and smile and say, yes, I am a pebble. But if God is using me and by my side, he will use me to take down giants. So believe in the God who walked out of that grave and forgave you of all of your sins. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that no matter where we look throughout the Bible, we can see you, that we can see the redemptive plan that you have had for us. And we can see your power and we can see just how strong you are. We know that you've overcome the devil, not just once, not just twice, but countless times, over and over and over again. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross that he bore. And we thank you for the example that he sets to fight the devil time and time again. We thank you for your strength and we thank you that you come down to help us whether we want you to or not. Whether we acknowledge your love or not, you are there with us every single day. And we thank you that you made us a small little pebble that can be used by you to do so many great things. If only we take that step. Lord, I ask you today to come down into the hearts of everyone, to let them take that step, to let them be used by you. Lord, please come down. Come down and set a fire in all of our hearts. Give us conviction. Let us feel your love. Let us feel your strength. And let us know that the devil cannot touch us. Amen.
Amen. I'm going to be right down here. If you want to come up and have prayer for God to come into your life so that you can fight whatever battle you're fighting, then come. I want to pray with you and I want to be there for you. I'm going to turn it over to Jeremy and the worship band now. Thank you.